Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Culture. Hey guys, welcome to a new winter cults and culture. And today is another mini sode where I'm just going to give you a quick update on stuff that I've seen and what you can look forward to um, coming up in the podcast. So uh, one of the first things uh, is that I saw the El Camino um, Breaking Bad movie uh, that takes place after the events of Breaking Bad, even though half of it, if not more, is probably flashbacks, um, which is quite weird because I feel like Aaron Paul, his head has got bigger, but his face has got smaller. So, you know, you see those like, you see those memes where like someone's put a really small face in the middle of their head. That's what Aaron Paul is kind of looking like at the moment. And a lot of the actors in it, Todd, for example, who I think of as a fat Matt Damon, um, fat Damon is, looks old. Like he looks really old. And when he's trying to look like the kid from before, it's like, yeah, I'm not really fooling for this. But um, overall, I, as I was watching it, I was thinking it actually does remind me of how much I loved the Breaking Bad series and um, the way it ended, and this is, I'm trying to do this without giving away any spoilers, was great, was brilliant, but this is quite a nice little afterthought to the film. So it's not needed, it's completely superfluous, but at the same time it's like, well, it's for people who may have thought the original ending was a bit dark, maybe, and this kind of gives it a bit more levity. Um, in the same vein, it's got some, it's got a couple of good set pieces, but generally speaking, I was like, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit boring. Um, I didn't really like the flashbacks that much, but yeah, I thought it was okay. It was all right, but it was more like a nostalgia fest. So if you did like Breaking Bad, then I'd recommend you go see it. If you've not if you've not seen any Breaking Bad, then why are you watching it? Um, ridiculous. But yeah, it's kind of a nice thing for Jesse, the character, to have. Um, I also saw In the Tall Grass, which is a Netflix movie, uh, which is by Stephen King and his son, and um, who wrote the book. And I've read the book, and... Uh, 
it was quite boring to begin with, to be honest. It's just about a bunch of people walking through the fields and not really sure what they're doing. And there's these weird time loops. As um, fans know, I love a good time loop. And it's just a bit boring. Again, there was a whole sequence because there's this rock, basically, that's like a mystical rock that's kind of doing all this stuff. And um, there's a bit where, like, the floor kind of opens up and that bit's pretty cool, that whole sequence. And I was about to say Patrick Stewart then. Patrick Wilson is really good in it. He's good in everything, even if it's like crap, even Aquaman, which I really didn't like and a lot of people did love it. He was really good in that as well, I thought. Um, Well, he was good. Um, But yeah, he's pretty good in this. He's kind of the only good thing really about it. Uh, And if you like horror stuff, you might like it, but it was completely forgettable, as was the book when I read it. So I don't really know why I watched it in the first place. It's not one of Stephen King's greatest, let's say. Um, I also took the kids to see, and this is a complete tone change, uh, Angry Birds 2, which is awful but in a weird way it had a couple of moments which really made me laugh uh, which is really strange and more than I can say about the first one um, there's some bits which don't even make sense in the context of the movie and they kind of make a joke out of hitting the point home but I think there were some bits for instance they're all like in this suit and they're trying to like get through security and there's a quite a lot of it but um, there's one bit where they go to the toilet and I was proper laughing I thought that was that genuinely really funny and I, it was weird because I didn't think you know I'd kind of laugh like that watching an Angry Birds movie but generally speaking I don't think it's anything special <laughs> whatsoever um I also saw It too, which I might do a proper episode on and yeah I have to say that I really liked the first It as people probably already know It too, not as great uh, I feel like part of the thing which made it great, and again, I'll come on to this, is the fact that it's kids, it's child endangerment, basically, which kind of gives it that extra special edge. But also, like, all the adults in it felt like a threat as well. Whereas in this, they are adults, doesn't feel as threatening, and they've got, um, what's his name from Saturday Night Live in, who everything's kind of like a bit jokey and it gets a bit serious at the end, but it didn't really have that emotional wait for me and Pennywise stuff is good and I want to always want to see more Pennywise stuff because that's kind of for me that's the really kind of juicy bits um and as much as I like the character interaction it's less stranger things now and more just awkward adults and trying to kind of get them on the path and also the whole thing I forgot about this when I was watching the tv movie I vaguely remember it had something to do with like incantations and murmur. And I was just like, oh, God, it's just a bit lame and having visions of stuff. And I I know I read the book when I was younger, but it's massive and I remember absolutely nothing about it. But um, I know it's really convoluted and stuff, but there's part of me which is just like, just strip it down. You could have easily cut out another hour out of that, even half an hour. So that's kind of stuff I've been watching. I might do something, I'm going to do something on it, I think, anyway. And part of that might feed into an It Chapter 2 episode, but... For now, um, I've kind of put it on the back burner. Uh, in terms of other podcasts I'm listening to, um, the main one I'm listening to at the moment is I Am The Night, which is about the Hodel, Hodel? I've just been listening to it, and I can't remember how you say it, uh, family and how the, the father um, of this family was a suspect in the Black Dahlia murders. And you end up realising, or thinking at least, that he is definitely the murderer. 
And if he's not the murderer, he's a completely screwed up individual. Um, but it's mad. And, you know, you think the first episode and when they're reading out the corpse and how it was, she was murdered and all this stuff would be um, the goriest, like most disturbing bit, but it's not. So keep listening to that. Um, have a listen to that and keep listening because it does get pretty incredible. Uh, that was really good. To Live and Die in LA, I listened to as well, um, about a girl that goes missing in LA. And that was really interesting. And it's cool because it's one of those things that are like, as he's investigating the case, it's happening at the same time. And um, I think it's by Neil Strauss, I think his name is. He's the guy that did the game. And I've not read the game. I'm not talking about Fincher, obviously. I'm talking about the pickup artist thing. But And that kind of put it in a weird thing when I was reading it. Even though I've not read it, um, it put, I, don't, I just find that whole thing a bit weird. So I'm playing Gears of War 5 when I can as well for any gamers out there. Um, and that's pretty good so far. I uh, quite like the fact that it's open world. Um, and yeah, that's been, been a pretty good play. So what's next for A New Winter is um, you'll obviously be getting part two of A Fool's Mission coming up. And then uh, the next story will be a bit more of a futuristic, how do I put this, a kind of tech-based story. And then I'm currently writing, that's finished, and I'm currently writing um, a new story, which is about a couple who basically go to an, an immersive theatre thing with surprising results. Uh, so listen out for that. And yeah, um, what else has been happening? I saw that Martin Scorsese caused a bit of an outrage um, for as he's promoting The Irishman, which I'm definitely excited to see, saying how like Marvel films are not real cinema. And a lot of people have kind of kicked off a little bit about that. But um, I can kind of see where he's coming from and maybe it is a bit old school, but and Spielberg and Lucas warned against this a long time ago when they said the, the fact that films are now having huge budgets and their studios are risking more by pumping instead of making like, you know, 10 um, medium-sized budget things, they're just making one huge big budget film. And if one of those flops, then, you know, the studio could tank. And... You know, that's not really happened yet properly. Everything that, for instance, Marvel have done has been hugely successful, but it's kind of going in that uh, route of these big, spectacular um, film events and a lot of the uh, more what what would be considered artistic uh, art theatre films um, are being kind of left behind. And what makes me laugh is it's very, very easy for Scorsese to say that. I mean, The Irishman is a 150 odd million dollar like Netflix film. And yeah, that's not a small budget, is it really? Um, but there's that element of like, well, it's kind of the argument of film as art and film as entertainment. And I think Marvel has done quite well to kind of cross both. And that's the whole thing with superhero comics as well, is it's taking these big mythic characters and this thing of what's wrong and what's right, good and evil, a very, you know, with the basis of all stories, really, and putting something spectacular to it. And this is what the comics did. You know, that's all, that's all they're doing, obviously, is just doing what the comics did and making it larger than life and putting it in this world. And what Marvel have been able to do is kind of set it more as a... They've kind of realised it's a fun thing and people want to be entertained but they also want to follow an emotional story and an emotional arc and that's one of the things I think people have had a bit of a backlash against is the fact that Marvel films aren't just 
um, you know, pretty pictures, they have an emotional core to them. There's there's good writing behind it. And I think it's a little bit much for Scorsese to say that it's more like a roller coaster because that's what every film should be in its own way. And to say to kind of dismiss it as like fluff when he's not I don't I think part of it was that he's not even watched one. Um yeah, it's not not very good, is it? And I think the Marvel films do have that emotional core for them, even on a very basic level, not saying that it's like this hard-hitting kitchen sink drama or anything like that, but it does have that to it, and that's what makes it engaging because it makes you root for characters and all this stuff is the writing behind it, not just the fact that it's cool visual effects and that just happens to be part of it. So, yeah, I kind of see why people get a bit upset with Scorsese about it. At the same time, I understand the fact that... um, everyone's kind of churning out these huge big budget films and a lot of the smaller films and indie films and emerging artists and all this stuff are kind of getting left behind. So, I mean, ideally, they'd be taking the profits from these big films to kind of launch smaller films. And I'm not, I don't know if that's been happening or if it's to do with the theatres and what they're showing and what they choose to show. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that kind of caused a bit of controversy. So I'd be interested in what people think about that. Um, also I am putting up the episodes on uh, YouTube. Um, I'm in the process of doing that. It's just quite, um, a bit of a time dump. Uh, but soon you'll be able to get those on there if that's your thing. I'll also be doing an episode on Tron, which is just for the patrons, patreon.com slash new winter. And I've been speaking about it for a while and I'm going to try to be putting, as I said, more up there because, um, obviously if you're paying, then I want you to feel like that you're getting something back for that. And the fact that the free episodes are great, and obviously I'll keep doing that, and I want people to listen to that, but it would be nice if I could have this as a source of income (laughs) and um, be able to do these more regularly and spend all my time doing them. So, uh, yeah, if you like the show, if you like what's being written, if you like what's being discussed, then, um, yeah, if you go to patreon.com slash newwinter, and soon you'll be able to hear a whole episode on Tron, which is quite fun to do as well and to go back and look at. Um, I'll probably be doing a Tron Legacy one uh, as well in the future. I will probably make that free. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that. Uh, so that's it, really. This is just the end of the, the minisode, just keeping you updated. Um, and, yeah, if you've got any questions or comments or if you want to read, um, want me to read anything out, basically anything, uh, this is the place to do it. So do write to me at a new winter podcast at gmail.com or we're on Instagram, at a new winter, Twitter, at a new winter, uh, Reddit as well, at new winter. Um, so yeah, do check us out and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.